let's talk about it. Welcome back to Thick Radio, the podcast where we talk about gaming and everything in its orbit. I'm James. And I'm Tim, so let's get into it. Today we are welcoming a special guest. Today we've got Carl. Ooh, hey Carl, how you doing? Hi James, I'm doing pretty well. It's just uh, quite a bit hot here, so if you hear anything in the background, that's my air conditioner. Oh goodness. Yes, um, is it, is it, well... I know in in Celsius it's about forty degrees, which is fucking horrendous. What what is that in Fahrenheit? It's it's about a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, uh, just outside DFW. Oh good lord! Yeah, no thank yeah. you. Okay, well listen. In that case, if we hear any fans, we'll ignore that as good citizens and allow you your uh, sanctity <laughs> of air conditioning. Thank you, and sorry about that. Nothing to be sorry for. This is this is the reality of that existing right? Like, you cannot just be expecting a fatty to just exist without their aircon, without their treats, without a seat, without comfortable shoes, without a nice air-conditioned and tailored environment, you know? It's like, we, we need this to function, you don't want us feeling sweaty and disgusting, you would also like some comfort as well, so let, let's just make sure we're all feeling comfortable, hey? But I am glad to know that you are comfortable. But thank you so much for being on. We've actually been really looking forward to this because uh, today we are talking about something that I think, you know, we we knew right back at the start of season one that this would be an important episode. We've had people message us both asking, when are we going to do an episode on this? And uh, I think it's time. I think it's time we did this. So uh, today we are going to be talking about diabetes. And we are going to be talking all throughout and around that lived experience because you yourself are diabetic, right? Yep. Been diabetic since I think it was Christmas of 19, so quite a while now. So you've had, you've had diabetes for a minute. And I'm, I'm a little bit knowledge blind on a couple of things. And to be fair, Tim, anytime anything medical or nutrition or like anything, anything like that, Gets yeah. brought up. I'm always like, we are so blind in the community. We don't have an understanding. Like, um, if I can ask Carl, what kind of diabetes do you have? Type one or type two? I have type two diabetes, um, but they're they're not really so much different because type one diabetes is just completely in insulin dependent. Your body's not making any insulin, whereas type two, your body's just not making enough insulin to deal with your sugar intake, to deal with how it's processing things. And that could be because you're, you're not sensitive enough to it, like me, or it could just be you know, the pre-stages of type 1. A lot of people that start with type 2 and end up type 1 as their pancreas sort of gives up. Gotcha. I mean, um, before we kind of really kick things off into all of that, Tim, what, do you, what mm -hmm. do you think we need listeners to know as a sort of framework of understanding about diabetes before we really kick off the episode? Uh, I would say that it's, it's becoming uh, more common um even more so than it that has been like it you just see it you know more and more every year um that uh it is manageable but it is also serious um it's not something that you can take lightly you do have to 
pay attention to, you know, what your doctor says about how to check your blood sugar. If you have to take your insulin or if you're taking an oral pill of some kind, you know, you have to adhere to those directions because if you don't, you know, diabetes uh, wreaks havoc on the body. And I mean, if I can ask, you know, just as a sort of cursory question here, uh, Carl, since being diagnosed with diabetes, do you feel like you have a better understanding of your body and those kinds of needs? Or do you feel like the information provided to you still leaves a lot of gaps in the knowledge on what your needs are? I definitely feel like I, I understand my own body a bit better now. When when you're diabetic, you, you're constantly monitoring your blood sugar. And if you use insulin than I do, it's it's sort of like you're your own manual pancreas. So when your sugar's too high, you correct that. When your sugar's too low, you correct that, yada, yada, yada. And you sort of have to be in tune with what the symptoms are. Like when my sugar's really high, I'll get headaches or I'll be a bit slow. And, and I have to be able to realize that and say, okay, now it's time to test the sugar, see what I need to do to fix this, how up it is. So it's it's sort of a learning curve there. If I can ask as well, and this, this might be a good... Uh, this might be good information for listeners who may not necessarily know if they are or are not diabetic. Can I ask, what was the process like from kind of when you started to uh, observe that there were certain symptoms that you needed to address up until the diagnosis? Can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Well, that was actually sort of frustrating for me um, because I, I know I'm a gainer and I've been a gainer for a really long time um so i went and i i got my a1c checked um every few months whenever i went to the doctor i'd just be like no add on an a1c test i want to make sure and so my my symptoms actually started right after i'd got the results of my last a1c so i was like okay this isn't diabetes like what else could it be because i i'm sitting there you know with a fresh perfectly normal a1c and i'm like all right not diabetes um so it it actually took me a while of like thinking i had kidney problems or something until a doctor was finally like let's just test your blood sugar and it was 300 which it's supposed to be 100 (laughs) gotcha if i can if i can ask because i understand that the sort of medical system in america can be ridiculous questionable i was going to say questionable Uh, (laughs) no it's absurd (laughs) it's absurd okay well the american medical system is absurd right um what is that process like in terms of getting an appointment to see a doctor and as someone like yourself who is quite large these days you know is there difficulty in navigating that conversation because of your size so as as far as getting an appointment to see a doctor it depends a lot on two things first of all your insurance has a lot to do with it um if you if you have decent insurance and you're just experiencing a bunch of unknown symptoms you want to find out why um you can go to a walk-in clinic uh, pretty much at any time it's just a little bit more expensive but they they will get you in the same day and for me, I think it was like $40. Um, for people with maybe less good insurance or no insurance, um, if you want to see a doctor the same day, you'll, you'll probably still go to those same urgent care kind of things. Um, you'll just be paying quite a bit more. 
So it, it, it's all about money, not so much the frustration, at least with getting the original diagnosis of diabetes, uh, because they'll always do a, a UA or urinalysis and test for sugar in your urine, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's just sort of step one. What do you feel is the biggest difference in lifestyle before diagnosis and medication and now? So I'd, I'd have to say it's planning. I, I have to consider what I'm doing, where I'm going out to eat. Insulin does not like the heat. So you have to, uh, you have to keep it in sort of a cooled box and you can't keep all of it at once when you go out to a restaurant because you're not keeping a cooler in your pocket in there. So it, it can be a little bit of, you know, how much am I going to need when I, when I go out to X restaurant with my family or how much am I going to need for later? Or did I run out today? <laughs> Things like that. For a lot of people, their insulin can be pretty expensive. I actually, even though I do have a prescription, I go to Walmart and buy it over the counter because instead of, I think, like $300 for a pen, I pay $25 a vial. Wow. I mean, um, Tim, again, kind of, I feel like we're going to be tapping into your medical knowledge quite <laughs> this episode on this. A concerning point that, you know, you, you have to even think about how you go out to dinner and transport your insulin. I mean, mm-hmm. because of your medical training and knowledge, is there a sort of convenient or easily accessible way to, you know, transport one's insulin on their person? Not really, unless you buy like something like a, a I guess a, a small like cooler box that could fit into a knapsack or you know a, or a purse or, or whatever you're carrying in with you. Other than that, you kind of just you're gonna have your vial in, you know, in a in a bag um unrefrigerated and you know it's there's really no there's really no way around that i do kind of feel like for as long as oh there we go uh, sorry listeners you can't see this but uh carl has lovingly demonstrated the example of a little carry case uh in which insulin is transported i almost kind of feel like you know there are there are fucking uh cordless earphone i i iphone cord fucking music pod boxes and carry cables and all sorts of accessories that people can make for tech it kind of surprises me that we haven't figured out like a schnazzy way of transporting like one's insulin because even if it wasn't necessarily insulin vials like i might want to transport like a cool bottle of water you know like i might want to keep you know like a sandwich or like a piece of fruit chilled and, and have that on my person you know rather than just like sitting it and warm in my bag I don't know, like, kind of feels like that's a missed opportunity there. To, to kind of bring the conversation around to more the community side of things, I'm curious, do you feel that since your diagnosis that your engagements in the community have changed at all? So one thing with diabetes, uh, different medications will have different effects on your weight. So, for example, the most common is metformin. That's usually the first line for type 2 diabetics. Um, just they, They'll toss it at you pretty much immediately. I, I am allergic to metformin, but people who are able to take that, um, it, it does cause their weight to go down. It, it's basically making you pee the sugar out instead of having it. In, instead, I take pioglitazone and insulin, which are both... Um, anabolic they both make you heavier there's no way around it 
So for me, it's ironically been a bit easier to gain since my diagnosis than it had been before. Damn. And just as a query, do we know that even if you aren't allergic to metformin, that we could possibly get a prescription to this magical weight gain drug? Like, is that no metformin is the one that makes you lose weight? Yeah, I know, I know, but like he can't take it because he's allergic. So what I'm saying is, if I wind up diabetic and they're like, "Well, let's have a look at me," could I be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm allergic. You got to give me the anabolic shit." Oh, you can tell them that. You can make that up. I mean, this little insider information, you can tell a doctor anything you want, really. I mean, most doctors are not going to investigate anything that you say. They're just going to basically be like, "Okay, whatever," because they know they have like 60 other people they have to see. So you could say, "I'm allergic to metformin." They'll believe you. <laughs> well, bitch, let it go. Man. I'm allergic to metformin. If I get the diabetes, I'm gonna get me this little cocktail to make the weight gain easier. But you know what? This I think is a really good part of the conversation because I feel like for me, especially like, I think most of the conversations I've had around diabetes were like when I first joined the community, and it gets talked about like the secret sin, a little bit like AIDS for gainers, like. You don't want to get this. You don't want to get this because it's the end of everything. The moment you get diabetes, you have to lose the weight and it's going to kill you and you're going to die and it's awful and there's no coming back and everything's ruined. And you do get very like, <laughs> about things because this is how we build it up. And this is why this conversation is really fucking crucial. Uh, and so to be clear to listeners, we are more than more than willing and open to have this conversation multiple times from different practitioners, different perspectives. If you don't feel like your perspective is represented here, you can contact us at thethickradio at gmail.com and we will schedule you in to do a follow-up episode on the podcast. But in the meantime, Carl, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Um, you will have to send me the names of those uh, drugs after this conversation <laughs> just so I can make a little note for the future. Uh, um, so to answer your question from earlier, uh, <laughs> one of my biggest regrets with uh, diabetes is that I wasn't more aggressive in asking for what I needed. Right. Um, if you are pre-diabetic, Actos has been shown to prevent pre-diabetes from turning into diabetes. And Actos or pioglitazone actually is... Um, and anabolic, it causes your body to create new fat cells. Um, that's why it increases insulin sensitivity um, because your body is creating these new fat cells. And so it is really good for gaining and it's something that someone can get to prevent themselves from becoming diabetes as they grow. Occasionally I do see gainers talking about that, that very thing about insulin. Um, I can't remember what term they were using about how your body reacts to insulin and like, there's apparently this sweet spot <clears throat> where, like you were saying, your body's producing new fat cells, but it's still remaining insulin sensitive. And it's like, I don't know, someone seemed to have found the trick to gaining a little faster. I've never, I, I haven't researched it and I haven't tried it myself. So insulin is what causes your body to store fat pretty much when, even if you're not diabetic, obviously, yeah. when you, when you have too much sugar in your blood, you're pancreas sends out insulin and then it says okay now we're gonna start putting that sugar into fat cells mm -hmm. so that's that's how gaining works pretty much in general um which is why a lot of people who aren't very much health focused will say okay time to eat a whole bunch of cake and it works but it's obviously not the greatest for you if you're trying to prevent diabetes yeah
what I'm really enjoying about this is that, as you say, that there's a real, not to say scientific, like it's a perfect method, but there's a real, uh, I guess, researched approach where when you understand the potential of what these chemicals can do to your body, if you have diabetes, you can still gain weight and actually look after yourself successfully. Or if you're pre-diabetic and don't really want to cross that threshold, you can still take part in a process akin to this that also helps you step away from the precipice. Like, that sounds a little bit like that narrative, I much like how I mentioned with AIDS, where we really need to understand how we live with something and how we can live more comfortably and destigmatize the notion. You could say, I have diabetes, and it doesn't have to be a gain of death sentence, but it also doesn't have to be a fetish either. And I suppose that's another question. Like, do you find that having diabetes, you find that there's like this cohort of guys that come out of the woodworks looking to like fetishize your situation? Um, not, not really. What I've, what I've found most often is curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are either they're worried about it happening to them or it has, and they just don't want to talk about it with anyone who's less open about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I definitely say there's not anyone who sits behind their computer screen, like thinking about, Oh, this guy's diabetic. How great, like that I've come (laughs) across at least. Um, but, but I have seen a lot of curiosity and I, I think that's a really great thing. Um, I think my personal ideas for how I manage my diabetes are a bit different than what other people like, but I, I just focus on what works for me. I think that's the best way to do it. And I think that's also reflective of, you know, a personal approach to gaining full stop, you know? Uh, it's easy to say you should drink oil, you should have cake, you should, you know, factor in this, that, the other. Like the best way to gain for you is the best way to gain works for you. Like you truly do have to just try different things until something sticks. And then you're going to go, oh, that's what works best for me. Let's do that. And when it comes to diabetes, it's just factoring in that extra element. It doesn't have to be a massive concern or a massive well, I say it doesn't have to be a massive shift. I suppose if your gains have been centered on downing nothing but sugar and soft drink and everything else, then most likely that will have to change, I would imagine, yeah? With insulin, at least, because you are managing everything yourself. You do have a bit of leeway. Like, for example, I was talking to my, my doctor about diabetes before, and I was like, so I was, I was looking and I saw, you know, drinking diet soda increases the risk of retinopathy. So what do you do if you want to have a soda? And she's like, well, if you've been managing everything all right, then just have a soda. That's probably better. So there is some leeway. There is some room. And then one of the things that people don't really talk too much about when you're using insulin is that the biggest risk of insulin usage is going low because if you go too high you can always use more going low is the one thing my doctors have talked to me the most about and because it can cause you know comas death it can make you vibrate like a chihuahua it is some really nasty stuff so if you're if you're using insulin you've got to keep stuff like juice or sodas around even if you're not going to have them because if you 
shoot your sugar down to 60, you don't want to be there. It's better to be super high than super low. I've only had it happen to me once. Um, and I'm not pre-diabetic or diabetic, but I, when I was going to the gym and working out like with a personal trainer, I remember one day I didn't really eat anything all day. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I just wasn't feeling like I, I wanted to eat anything or maybe I was too distracted. But I remember I went to the gym on an empty stomach, having not eaten for about five or six hours, did a really intensive workout, got out into the parking lot and I could feel this. I, and being medically trained, I'm like, Oh shit. These are like, I was breaking out in a cold sweat. I was feeling really dizzy. I felt like I was going to lose consciousness. So I quickly I call 911. They come to the gym parking lot. They put me in the back. And the first thing they did was check my sugar. And I was down to like 42. So it's really, yeah. it's really interesting. And I think, again, this comes back to that conversation on stigma because my immediate assumption would have been the opposite. Like, oh, it's better for things to be low than to be high because the whole point of diabetes is your sugar's too high, therefore insulin, therefore pancreas and meds and blah, 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 blah. So, like, that's really interesting. And based on the conversation that happens around diabetes, I would not have known that. So why would anyone know that? These conversations are so fucking important. And it's kind of crazy that as gainers, we don't talk about this more. Like, it is totally in our best interest to have an open conversation about this right well i'm sure there's a contingent of people who th who would find it like a buzzkill you know like oh why are you going to bring that up why can't we all just fantasize about people getting fatter and fatter and fatter with no consequences it's like you know you don't you don't hear anybody talk about the possibility of a stroke or a heart attack either you know no that's very true and yeah to kind of center on stigma for a moment i mean i'll ask more directly here carl do you feel like you've experienced stigma in the community because of your diabetes status no not really of course i i tend to i tend to ignore people who bring negativity um but no i haven't i haven't seen anything like that just curiosity well that's good and i'm and i'm glad that that's the case i think it's nice to know that there's at least one form of stigma in our community that uh we, we don't... Well, you know, it's like I said, it's probably not a stigma. It's probably just a, a blatant um, ignoring it, you know, like, oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. Like, I don't want that to be wrapped up in the fantasy because then I have to apply some real world rules and consequences to my fantasy. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I feel like most people aren't willing to, you know, that's a bridge too far for some people. Well, one of the things about diabetes is, as you mentioned before, it's very manageable as long as you are managing it as long as you keep your sugars within range you will never experience any symptoms it's not like this you know guaranteed mega death or anything from it as long as you are keeping your sugars between like 80 and 140 then you will never have any of the diabetes issues mm -hmm. but you do still have to be very careful and mindful of things like um especially i always say this about uh, your feet pay very close attention to your feet because even if you are managing it well, like it does take an, a toll on the immune system and with your feet being as far away from your heart as they are, like a small cut or um, sore can turn into a really big problem. So I always like caution people to please pay attention to your feet. I mean, Carl, what, what's happening with your feet? Are your feet fine? What's, what's happening with the feet? Um, so with my feet, no, no numbness or anything. They, they do test my, my sensitivity occasionally. Um, 
and I'm I'm still at absolute normal. That's good. I find this interesting to talk about because, and I've spoken a little bit, you know, on socials and to people more one-on-one about this, but I've had a very interesting experience with the process of being diagnosed diabetic recently. Uh, I'm not diabetic, but I was in the process last year of being tested for a, a CPAP machine. And part of that was they wanted to test my blood and that was fine. Tested it once, they came back to me within a day and said, can we take another test? I was like, fine. Nearly a month had passed and I had not heard word back from anyone. So I assumed this was like just part and parcel of oxygen in the blood. Like that's a thing. Maybe that's what they were testing. Fuck only knows. But then I got a call from someone who's not my doctor saying you have diabetes. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I remember when you were going through this. And I, and I was like, oh, can, can I ask about it? He's like, yes. My blood sugar was 56. The level they would hope for someone is a 49, with a variance up to number 53. So I have diabetes. And I was very confused by this. Because I was like, what, 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 what's, a, what's a 56? Like, grams of sugar per, per drop of blood? Like, what's milligrams? I don't remember. Was that, like, on the day of that was what your blood sugar was? Or is that your A1C? Because A1C doesn't usually they, have they, they double digits. Never, they never told me what that was a measurement of and i probed about it and he just kept talking about because i have diabetes they'll need to check but then i asked and said because he'd mentioned about you know the first step is about getting it back down so i was like oh so it can be changed he's like yes i said okay the difference between 49 53 and 56 seems really small like it's a variation of literally like seven numbers total three and four either side and i was like Every single day, I will typically have two or three cans of regular Coke because that's just the soft drink of choice. That's what I like. I put sugar in my tea, sugar in my coffee, sugar over my cereal. If I, I don't know, stopped, do you think that would bring down my numbers? He says, oh, yes, in a very good way. I was like, great. So do I actually have diabetes then? He was like, well, no, this is about bringing down your chance of diabetes. And I'm like, okay, wasn't what you'd said at first, but okay. And then I said, cool, so if I just make this, things will start to change and this probably won't be a problem. He said, no, it sounds to me like your numbers would drop exactly as where you would want them to and everything will be fine. I was like, okay, great. So I started to do that. And then I started getting calls from the NHS because I have diabetes, I need to go for an eye checkup. I need to go for this. I need to go for that. And I call these doctors going, I spoke to this medical professional. Apparently I don't have diabetes. We've already been booked in. And really, why why do you not want to be tested? Isn't it in your best interest to know if you have a diabetes-related illness or a problem? So I went to every single one of these tests. And the I one was my favorite because I was delayed by like an hour and a half. I was the only person in the sitting room and they were like, oh, we didn't notice you there. Fuck you did, you know? Finally went through and I'm telling this man to his face, don't have diabetes. The doctor said, he's like, well, we're just going to check. Checks my eyes. Oh, can we check them again? Yes, you can. Checks them again. And I know exactly what he's going to say. Oh, you have perfect vision. There's no blurring. There's no nothing. And I'm like, oh, do I really? <laughs> my eyesight's <laughs> fucking fine because, yeah, I look out of my eyeballs like I've done my entire life and nothing's fucking changed. He says, oh, well, I'll see you this time next year. I said, no, you won't. And I just left. And I found the entire process so 
frustrating and dehumanizing because there's just this narrative clearly on the medical side of things because when and tim i spoke to you about this and we had this conversation my suspicion is that because diabetes is as prevalent as it is and because people maybe have symptoms and think oh i just get headaches now i'm getting on in years i get headaches that's a thing for me oh sometimes my foot goes a bit numb that's a thing for me it's nothing to worry about we don't necessarily know it's a problem until it's too late and then people are dying i guess or whatever and blah 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 blah. so when there's the potential diagnosis of diabetes they want to get people in real quick to make sure that there's no potential other health problems and i can respect that and i can understand that but it was that initial first conversation that really put me in an odd place with the construct of diabetes not that i have a problem with potentially being diabetic if i am i'll follow the process not a problem but the language around it was very yeah yeah you've got it you've got it so now we need to bring you in and get you on the drugs and we need to get you tested and we need to get the ball rolling rather than well let's have a conversation because this also took place at like 6 30 at night after everyone like i was on my way home from work i am not in a mental position let alone like like i've got an attitude at 6 30. i've done (laughs) work and it's before dinner this is not the time you want to come across my path i'm not in the mood and here's a bitch running their mouth about you're gonna die. Oh well, actually, it's just a maybe question mark. So that's a bit nonsense. I can see why they do it because so many diabetics are non-compliant. They're not sitting there testing. They're not gonna change their diet. They're not gonna do anything. So the most that doctors can really hope for is to get them to come in and get tests and start taking their pills. And you you mentioned the retinopathy. That's one of the most important things um, because there there is some possibility to reverse it with medication or surgery if you get in there early enough. But that's your eyes. That's the most yeah. important part of your body as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Well, that was going to be my next question. Like, I know that there's people who say like, oh, because you can go from type two to type one obviously is like a progression but like i wasn't sure if you could actually like progress out of being diabetic like but that is well yes and no i mean um so like you can get yourself to a a point where you've you've done that you've done the the diet modifications that you need to do you've been dedicated in checking your blood sugar you've been dedicated in taking whatever medication um so then you might be working with your endocrinologist towards not having to either finger stick yourself anymore or not having to be on one of the oral medications anymore it is it's not possible to completely reverse it because little pro tip once you get diagnosed with something it's on your friggin record forever even if it doesn't apply anymore i swear like they never update that shit so like it's never completely reversed because you will always have the diagnosis but you can be a diabetic on no type of um insulin or medication for it so a bit like a cancer patient in remission. In like, a way. In, in a way. way. Like you've been through something, you've kind of done the testing, you're okay for now, and then it's just we're, we're, we're vigilant on the potential of, of, of come what may moving forward. I was going to ask, we had a listener question, have you encountered anyone who fetishized your diabetes? But you kind of already answered that, that people have more come at you with a curiosity rather than like a sexual fascination. But curiously, in the areas of maybe the Gromiverse or just like in your 
probing of like diabetic spaces have you observed externally people like fetishizing the construct of diabetes i i've seen it a couple times yeah mm. it was it was pretty curious to me because when when people do that they tend to also like the uh the sort of negative side effects like oh you have diabetes and now we've made your blood sugar too high have to take your foot away um so rather something i'd like to avoid there <laughs> <laughs> understandable and we had an another listener question which is what is your best recommendation for a gainer meal or snack suitable for diabetics so people are going to hate me for this but one of my favorite things is gainer salad Gainer salad. Uh, Gainer salad. Oh yeah, you you can make a salad with over a thousand calories really easily. You get, you know, you get your lettuce, you get um, maybe a vinaigrette or ranch. You put it on there. You chop up some uh, some pork chops, swirl it around, uh, add in some bacon bits, a bit of uh, maybe pistachios or chopped almonds, um, sesame seeds. Uh, put that all in there, fry up some mushrooms, and you have, like, basically a no-carb salad with a thousand calories. Dear God. I, I, like, has this been, has, is this, has this been common knowledge? Like, did we just get our minds blown? Because I'm like, what the fuck? Like, thousand calorie salad. Like, I have never, I've never heard one gainer in the 20 fucking years I've been a part of this community ever say something like that. I mean, Carl, can we bring you back for an episode? And we're probably going to call the the episode "You Don't Make Friends with Gainer Salad." <laughs> thank you, thank you. I I love a punny title if we haven't determined this already from the episodes thus far. No, do you know what? When you said, "Oh yeah, you can make a, a, a salad over a thousand calories," and I thought of that obese woman on TikTok who's like, "Minnesota salads that aren't really salads," and she's like. <laughs> You know, you, you're going to want to put your jello and your, your marshmallow whip and you're, you're going to want to get your... And it's just these horrendous... It looks like a toddler fucking fucked up a bakery and said, Here, Mommy, have a fucking sloppy pudding pie. Like, that's what this shit looks like. And you got Midwestern bitches calling this shit a salad. Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to gatekeep culture here. But there's like a part of my European ancestry or like whoever the fuck invented salads where I feel like I need to gatekeep the concept of salads for these people. Like jello salad, I don't think makes the cut. I'm really sorry. You're getting a fruit salad one day. You are. <laughs> I'll take a fruit salad. I'll take a fruit salad. That's like the most like salad adjacent construct of a salad that I will accept. But jello or like marshmallow fluff like as a base for a salad, there's just a part of my soul that's like, we cannot. We allow a lot of through the mill, but we can't. That, what you said is what we talk about, fruit salad. Oh, is that what you call it? <laughs> what do, you, do you mean, uh, so like, are you talking about ambrosia? Like the, the marshmallows and the jello and the, and the whipped cream and the, you know, fruit and, bits. And there's always cherries and pineapple. Yeah, that's ambrosia. Or that's what we call ambrosia anyway. When you say fruit salad, like, that's just what my mum would have made as a kid, where it's like, you just get a bunch of different fruits, you skin them, core them, chop them up, and you put it in a bowl, and the kids go at it, because, like, that's a healthy snack, right? Like, that's fruit salad. 
what what you were talking about with like the marshmallow fluff and all that that's what we called fruit salad growing up oh okay <laughs> okay and that, that america that is why y'all are fat y'all are like oh well i just thought this thing of marshmallows and bacon lard was a fruit salad apparently like do y'all hear yourselves <laughs> Do you want to know a really weird salad that's not a salad that I used to make every Halloween because it was like supposed to be spooky and it sounds like it would not work at all but it's actually quite delicious is a tub of Cool Whip or whipped topping, um, a packet of vanilla um, pudding, chopped up Snickers, chopped up green apple bits and you just toss it all together and believe it or not it's really really good. <laughs> See, the apple bits is the only bit of that I query, but like otherwise, yeah, that just sounds like a nice time. But it was supposed to be like a Halloween salad or whatever. I don't even know where where I found the recipe. I just started, and I must have seen it on like Rachel Ray or something. Well, golly, we're going to make a Halloween salad today. And if you can't find organic Cool Whip, Sorbot is fine. Is that supposed to be Rachel Ray? I don't fucking know. I'm just. I was gonna say, have you ever heard Rachel Ray? That doesn't sound like her. Who, who the fuck is Rachel? I don't know her. She's an American, um, you know, like cook, you know, chef, whatever. Like, I, actually, I don't think she was ever a chef. She's just always had a cooking show, and she's kind of a bitch in person. So, <laughs> I mean, when I think of chefing, I do think of someone more like a Nigella Lawson. And well, she's like, an, yeah, she's like that, but so you know, over here, thinking of something more, a sort of rotund, sort of deeper set. British accent talking quite lovingly and intimately about calories and fat and flavor. Yes, of course, we're going to make a delicious salad today, but I like to be naughty and add a little bit of butter to my salad. How was that? Was that was that serving you, Nigella Lawson, at all? Yeah, that was pretty good. Okay. I'll, I'll add that to my snatch game list. I mean, since we're on salads, uh, Carl, what's your, sa what's your salad of choice? Uh, actually, do you know what? Tell us more about gain a salad. So I, I just Facebooked you the recipe. You Facebooked but... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to put um, that in the fucking show notes, bitch. Listeners, go to the show notes. If you come up with a snazzy name, we'll come up with a snazzy name, and that'll be Carl's uh, gain a salad. That'll be in the show notes. Go check it out. Uh... <laughs> it's just like all these years, and I could have been getting fatter on salad. It's like, how did how did we all seem to miss this note? So when McDonald's had salads, uh, the highest calorie menu item was their salads. That's you mean those stupid like shake salads that they had? They're like where it was like, like all the, the lettuce and all the crap in like this tumbler and you would shake it up with the dressing and... When, when they had like the full-sized ones that came in the little... Oh, okay. Square box. Yeah. Was it because of the, 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 the grilled chicken or the uh, like fried chicken that they put on top of it? Yeah, probably. And the dressing. Uh, dressing has a lot more calories than most people realize. Like those those little snack cups they give you at McDonald's uh, with the dressing, I think those are like a hundred calories for ranch, fifty calories for everything else. You know, you never think about these things, right? But like, truly, learning where your calories come from, like this has been the secret to my gains, right? Is because I was always going gung ho when I was skinny, trying to force myself to eat junk food because I thought that's how you had to do it. But then I had a friend who knew how to cook, basically be like. You do know butter is like a thing, right? And it's like 85 cents at the shops. And that's like 2,000 calories in a block. I'm not saying eat what, the butter. What, per stick? Is that per stick or, or per four sticks? Per stick. 
per stick is a thousand calories. Two thousand calories. Two thousand calories per stick of butter. But then outside, I, I think you guys different size sticks than we do. Different size sticks. Um, because I was about to say when you get imported ones, they're more like rectangle. They're like two sticks squished together. Okay. Yeah, you guys have like long, thin sticks. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, actually, I've seen a, a picture. It's got like handy dandy little lines on it, so you can actually like cut on the line. Well, that's for tablespoons. That's to tell you, like, because so many recipes call for some like a certain tablespoons worth of butter. So that's yeah. why I put the lines on there. Sure. Like when you got the big old stick at home, you just kind of like stick the little spoon into the knob and like and like kind of guess to me like, oh yeah, that looks bad enough, and put that in the thing. Like you don't think too hard. All of the butter. You know. It it can't hurt to have a little extra butter in, you know. But it like to find out that it has that many calories in it. Now I I understand why you put a whole stick of it in your spaghetti sauce. Like okay, I'm yeah. you may be onto something there. Yeah, when I tell people about like putting butter in things, I think people are like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? This is like the wellspring of of essence. This is the the, the power source. The power level is over ten thousand. People like come on, get into the calories, get into the butter." This is why I cook with so much butter and cream. This is why I love French food. So if I just start putting hollandaise sauce on everything, I should <laughs> like I should start. Go get into it. I mean, I I I need to give you my recipe for fat soup because it'll it'll change your life. One thing that's been really helpful for me um, since diabetes, especially, has been using a lot more heavy cream. Oh. Uh, when when i'm when i'm successfully gaining because one of the one of the real issues for non-diabetics with heavy cream is that you're not getting that insulin response to it you're you're filling yourself up but your body isn't like oh hey this is a whole bunch of sugar it's more like oh hey there's a whole bunch of fat so if you if you're diabetic and you mix it with something that actually spikes up your sugar and you cut that down then yeah but what do you do if you're lactose intolerant? <laughs> I would probably have died by now. See, like, I'm, I, it's, it's not that I'm full-blown lactose intolerant, like it makes me miserable, but like if I overdo it, like like a glass of heavy cream, I could probably do, but if I drank a whole carton of it, I would suffer for it later. If I, if I eat an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, I suffer for it the next day. And it's, it sucks because I've heard so many people over the years, like, why don't you do the GOMAD diet? Why don't you just start drinking heavy cream? And I'm like, because I don't want to be that uncomfortable all the time. Hmm. So I'm not lactose intolerant, but I do take lactate when I'm chugging cream. It it makes it a lot easier. The other thing that I do is I, I take a whole bunch of fiber with it. I'll just get fiber pills. And then I've also found that when making it into shakes using um, stuff like cantaloupe, bananas, you know, those high fiber fruits um, makes it a lot easier and the, the acidity makes it a lot more tolerable. Because drinking heavy cream just straight, I mean, it is a lot, like it doesn't even really have much of a taste. It's not sweet per se. It's just very heavy, you know? Yeah, I've always mixed cream and, and flavored milk together. That's the only way I've been able to make cream happen. Um, but also another one, psyllium husks, you can get usually pretty cheap. They're a good source of fiber. You just blend them up. They are literally like they turn into powder, more like dust. They are flavorless and just blends and absorbs into whatever it is you're making. Does it make everything thick too because of, of reacting with the water and the psyllium inflates? Um, I think it depends on what you make. Like if you're just having it with water, then yeah, I think it goes a bit sludgy and it, it turns into jelly. 
But if you put like a, a, a not insane amount into like a smoothie or a milkshake, like you're not necessarily going to notice because it's already meant to be thicker anyways. And because you've got such strong flavors, like you don't notice it. So it's just an extra ingredient that if you source it and it works for you, hooray. You know, that's a just another good source of things. I do want to ask, what do you feel like listeners need to know the most about diabetes and your experience? What's like the number one takeaway you want listeners to have? So I'd say it's take care of it because if, if you are on it and just like really focusing, you've got your blood sugar readings, you're taking your medicine as prescribed on time, keeping up with your doctor to make sure that you're not spiking to the 800s or whatever, then you you will be a lot better off than people who ignore it. You'll be heavier than people who ignore it, and you'll live longer than people who ignore it. So all three great things. Can't argue with that. Carl, it has been an incredible pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you. Where can listeners find you online? Uh, they can't right now. I'm taking a bit of break from groomer. <laughs> understandable uh so in that case listeners uh you can't have him only we and that's too bad for you but as we said before we will be posting uh carl's recipe in the show notes please be sure to check that out but that's a wrap for now here on thick radio please remember to like and subscribe rate us five stars and leave us a good review If you liked this episode, the podcast, or just us in general, share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in. You can find me on Instagram and beefyfrat at Stanham. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and beefyfrat at thickymouse. You can also look us up on TikTok at Thick Radio or our website at www.podpage.com forward slash thick radio and if you want to submit any questions or ideas for episodes you can reach us at the thick radio at gmail.com so until next time bye fats bye fats bye fats let's talk about it Thick Radio is a Patreon and Anchor app podcast produced by Stan and Thicky Mouse. Next time, Master by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Lucky Two. Our theme song is provided by Spotify Cream.